0: Skibbity-bop, welcome to the Kemp Brun Podcast. Today's conversation was recorded live as part of one of the events that I do at One Yoga for the People in West Hastings in Vancouver. The conversation was part of a workshop entitled Yoga and Conversation Over Coffee. If you like this or you want to be part of the next one, that's on April 1st, which is a Sunday at 1.45pm. The workshops are by donation, so... Uh, come have a conversation, have a coffee. Beautiful, wonderful, delicious coffee sponsored by Milano Coffee Roasters. They bring the coffee, which is very generous of them. So, before we get into this conversation, it's important that I thank One Yoga for the People for holding the space and as well as printing up the posters and doing the schedule. Uh, thank you very much to Milano Coffee Roasters for bringing that delicious coffee and uh, most importantly thankful to everyone who showed up at the event, everyone who donated and participated. Uh, It means a lot to me and obviously goes without saying that this is a conversation um, that could not have taken place if it was just me by myself. So thank you very much for everyone that helped out and participated. I hope to see um, all of you again and more of you at the April 1st uh, event. Yoga and conversation over coffee at One Yoga for the People. Today's conversation is about finding balance between the absolute truths that are dictated to us through faith, through the yoga practice, this idea of we're all one, while being balanced and harmonized with the relative truths that we see in our day to day life where people are separate from one another, where people are suffering and finding that sweet spot, that place of harmony and balance where we can still maintain that feeling that the universe is in fact moving exactly in its perfect way as it should be, while at the same time allowing ourselves autonomy to follow our Dharma, uh, to prevent suffering where possible, to help one another out and to live as a society to our highest level or without sounding too yoga teacher about it to our highest vibration so without further ado we'll get into this conversation hope to see you april 1st at one yoga for the people thank you for coming for showing up skibbity bop Kemp run podcast This is a conversation that's sort of been built out of the last few conversations that I've done here um, at One Yoga in this workshop. But you don't have to be privy or aware of what it is that we talked about to sort of get something out of it. Um, where I've realized that, at least in my teaching, where there is the most confusion or where people perhaps are getting the most anxiety about some of the yoga philosophy that I talk to uh, in my best understanding of yoga philosophy is there's a paradox between relative truth and absolute truth. Okay, so Don't try and wrap your head around that yet. I've got a couple minutes that's going to lead into that. But I just want to clear up um, A little bit more about yoga philosophy is with this idea of we're all perfect, everything is perfect, this whole thing is designed uh, exquisitely, versus I know somebody who is suffering, I've seen people that are suffering, is there room for joy in my life if there's people that are living in poverty? And to try and find harmony between those two ideas and those two truths. The truth that sits here that everything is perfect, and the truth that's over on the other side of the spectrum that outside of the doors here in, in West Hastings is there's homeless people and there's poverty. And I mean, that's just a very clear example of where people might be suffering, but we all go through our own suffering as well. So I'd like to start by talking a little bit about Patanjali and the Yoga Sutras because this is going to lead us towards the idea of truth. Now if this is getting too dry, please just do like (laughs) and I'll move it on, okay? But a little background about the Yoga Sutras. The Yoga Sutras primarily one of the main texts that would be used in the philosophy of a classical yoga tradition. And there's other traditions and there's other lineages that you might hear other teachers talking to or about, and it can become a little bit confusing. But at its root, classical yoga is a system of dualism. There's a separation between you and God, right? There's a separation between you're here and you're in this body and you're trying to get somewhere else. There's other lineages and there's other philosophies um, a more tantric perspective, perhaps, would talk about uh, it being non dualist, that you are in fact already part of the universe, you are already part of God, you are just God in this example being Kent, right? But it's all one thing. Okay, so within the Yoga Sutras, the Yoga Sutras are old. I've heard it said that they're either 2,000 or 4,000 years old, which is um, a huge difference. If you think about the time of where we say Christ is sort of the inception of Christ, it's either that old or twice that. So I'm not sure when they'll kind of decide how old it actually is, but it's for our purposes it's older than your grandma. right? Um, and essentially what the Yoga Sutras are is there's 196 aphorisms, um, just short little sayings that kind of talk about how we can get from living in the situation that we are right now and we can get to a place of samadhi um, and synonyms for the word samadhi would be um, probably something like uh, non-suffering or a place of total absorption where we're no longer wanting uh, or struggling okay so that's my understanding of the Yoga Sutras the Yoga Sutras they talk about the eight limbs of yoga Nobody's done the thing yet, but if you get there, just let me know because this is just setting up the conversation. Um, there's the eight limbs of yoga, which you might be familiar with. We practiced one of them. Does anyone know which one it was? Asana. Yeah, so we practice asana. Um, the eight limbs of yoga are oftentimes described as, depending on the lineage or the interpretation of the ashtanga, of the eight limbs of yoga, they're either seen to be like a ladder where you would work your way up, or it's something that you work on all of these seven limbs individually, but still simultaneously, to get to the final limb, which is that limb of samadhi. Okay, Where we're going to focus primarily today um, in our conversation will be in the yamas, but let's just talk about what all the eight limbs of yoga are first. So the first is the yamas, which we'll be digging into a little more specifically. And the yamas are basically, they include like a moral compass. Um, it's how you would want to try to best morally live your life. Okay. There's The second limb of yoga is niyamas. And those are more basically, um, sort of, the personal behavior, things like keeping yourself clean, um, allowing for your words to be um, direct, as opposed to, you know, sort of talking behind people's backs, things like that. Then there's the asana, which is the physical yoga postures. Um, In the original writings, however, the asana refers to the meditative seat, more specifically than like a downward facing dog or a warrior too. Those all sort of came after, they're much more modern than these philosophies. The philosophy was essentially your asana is how you sit and how you connect to the earth while you're in meditation. Um, There's also pranayama, Pranayama, which is breathing techniques, pranayama which allows us to um, hold and extend our prana, which is sort of our life force, Uh, Pratyahara, which is the withdrawal of senses. Dharana, which is um, concentration, the ability to focus on something. Uh, Dhyana, which is the practice of meditation, the actual practice of meditation. And then finally, Samadhi. So, you don't need to know all of that. Where we're focused on today is the first limb. We're focusing on the Yamas. And within the Yamas, there are five Um, separate categories. The first is Ahimsa. So Ahimsa is non-violence. Generally the best sort of description is non-violence but it it is more actually sort of the, um, to omit violence. Um, Satya, which is truthfulness. Astiya, which is non-stealing. And Brahmacharya, which is um, oftentimes it's said to be just living a life that is um, where you're um, not having sex with people. Sort of a physical restraint in different avenues, not just sort of in one that would be um, living a pious lifestyle. And then Aparigraha, which is non-possessiveness or non-grasping. So we've got the synopsis, the big, the eight limbs. From the eight limbs, we're specifically looking um, within the yamas, one of the limbs. And then from within the yamas, we're looking um, primarily at uh, satya, and satya, which is the practice of truth. Where I'm getting a lot of miscommunication with people when I'm doing my teaching or in the podcast that I do or just generally talking to people about yoga philosophy, one of the main hurdles that um, we're having a hard time clearing is this idea of truth. And I think the reason for this is because there are two different types of truth as we talked about. There are truths that are relative and then there are truths that are absolute so an example of a relative truth is much easier to find than an example of a truth that is absolute what's an example of a relative truth? it would be something like 1 plus 1 is 2 this is a relative truth because it's something that we've decided the equation of 1 plus 1 equals 2 But if you said 1 plus 1 and somebody said 11, they wouldn't be wrong, right? There's other sort of truths that you can make out of that. If you just saw on a board 1 plus 1 and somebody took that and made 11, it's relative to sort of your upbringing, to your understanding. Um, Most of the truths that we look at are relative to our perspective. I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend and I was asking, in our society, do we value truth? What is your take on this? Do we put a large value on truth? Because I was trying to make the argument that our society generally is built on this idea of truth, but where we're having a lot of friction right now as a society is we're starting to realize that there are many different truths. And that intelligent people can disagree; both can be correct. Mm-hmm. And where we end up going is fists and cuffs about it, right? People mm-hmm. like their truth. People like their truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are attached to their mm-hmm. truth. I'm attached to my truth, hundred percent.
1: I think there is value in expressing one's truth, maybe person, personally or collectively. Uh, I know my own experience is when I do so what happens is um, the other person has been given permission to do so the same, and through that there's not necessarily conflict, that's not my experience, you know, uh, necessarily it's more, um, there's like a a resolution or an opportunity for me to see in a different way or from a different angle, and I totally understand that my truths are life experience driven, you know, and, um, but I think there's opportunity for change Mm -hmm. in expressing our truth. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, a, a relative truth could potentially be something that is continuously in flux mm-hmm. and changing mm-hmm. from year to year or from day to day. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what would an absolute truth be then? Law of gravity. Law of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, sci- um, the scientific method is something where, and I'm not a scientist, but my understanding of the scientific method is you go in questioning everything. In science they have very few laws, they have several theories. So the law of gravity is actually not absolute because the law of gravity is this. From my perspective here if I throw my phone up it's gonna come down and smash. But if I'm somewhere where gravity does not sort of adhere to the same rules as Earth, that is a relative truth. Interesting, right? So on Earth here, the law of gravity is something that is relative. Gravity can be different in different places. That's
2: true. Yeah.
0: So what's so what's an absolute truth? We are one. Mm -hmm. We are one. Yeah. (laughs) We are one so within yoga philosophy they have these absolute truths that for me sitting here and i feel like i've got 13 people that are staring at me so we don't feel like we're one we feel like we're 14 individuals and i'm expected to perform a certain role in front of other people in the way that like so the relative truth to me is that we're actually individual but on the other side of the spectrum what ryan has indicated is we're all one so, how do we find harmony in our lives between absolute truths of yoga philosophy? Everything's okay. We're all okay. Everything is love. Versus, we're actually in conflict.
3: I just missed. Uh, you say at the beginning that uh, the yoga philosophy traditional uh, talk about the duality and no oneness
0: understood? Classical yoga is traditionally, to my understanding, thought of to be a dualist practice. In as far as it's not that we're not all part of the same universe or part of the same oneness, but it's said to be that there is currently a separation. I'm here, I'm living this incarnation, I'm in this body, but if I live according to the Yoga Sutras, there's a reward of samadhi at the end. Okay. Right? So there's a dualism in that regard. The separation between you and everything. Whereas in other philosophies, which are often taught in the same yoga studio as a classical yoga, like a tantric philosophy of, you actually, there's nowhere for you to go. There's nowhere for you to transcend. Your body is already part of God, so just connect to that um, so my understanding of the differences between a classical yoga perspective versus sort of the more tantric philosophy would be um, tantra oftentimes you just have to remember that you're already connected whereas a classical yoga perspective would say no you actually have work to get there mm-hmm. okay. right? yeah good question Okay, so what I've seen in the talks that I've given is that when I say um, everything's perfect, people look at me like, no, like we need to protest and we need to fight, and we need to keep making changes. And how can you sit there in your privilege and say that everything is perfect because your life is blessed? So how do you find that balance? A metaphor that I heard from, uh, if you ever heard Ram Dass talk before. Ram Dass talked about a metaphor of playing those two sides of the game. If you engage in a tennis match, you're conspiring with somebody to have a game. You're conspiring to um, meet them. You're going to adhere to certain rules. And if you don't adhere to the rules, you're not a sportsman. But if you're too much in love with your, um, with your nemesis on the ten in the tennis match, right, you're a pushover. So there's a fine balance when you engage in um, taking the harmony between an absolute truth and a relative truth. So how can you still exist in this world where you know inevitably everything is as it's supposed to be, but at the same time, your dharma will still require that you move forward in a positive direction, um, relieving suffering where possible, but not to the point where you create suffering because you go so overboard trying to stop suffering. So there's a balance between those two. Oftentimes, I think most of us are not doing enough to alleviate suffering. We're causing suffering. We don't want to be too far on the side of everything's okay. I don't even need to try because God or the universe has this. Versus being on the other side where it's just you're creating pain because people have to look after you because you're being
2: so reckless trying to end suffering. All right. Well, when you um, when you spoke of like uh, the protest side of things, and I thought of like social justice or environmental movements that a lot of which occurred in in the 20th century and continue to occur. I think there's there's two sides to, you know, we can protest and we can say this is wrong and we need to change this, but there's also that side of being the change that you want to be in the world. And that yes, not everything is perfect, but you know, I I do believe in in activism and protest, but I also really believe in in being, you know, what you want to be in the world and being the change for for positivity whether it's social justice or environment or whatever, indigenous rights. You know, How can we you know, be the truth of what we need to be? You know, there, there's a lot of things that are wrong, but there's a lot of things we can do that are right and take steps to um, reconcile those things.
0: Oftentimes, we can become so overzealous with creating change that we forget to love our nemesis. If you're out protesting a certain thing, you need to remember that you actually are the same as the people on the other side of whatever it is you're protesting. And you need to have that love for them, just like in the tennis match, but you can't have so much love for them that you forget to play the game, right? But at the same time, you just can't be such a poor sport playing tennis that there's no place for you to play the game anymore. So it's finding that balance where you still have compassion and love for whatever it is that you're moving against and you're engaging in a tennis match with them. right? And understanding that if they're not engaging in that tennis match with love for you that you still can hold on to your compassion for them. And this is like really heavy duty hard to maintain somebody's pepper spraying you and you love them mentality or relationship right
1: we often speak of uh seeking truth Mm. and i'm just wondering uh, for anyone here or have has there been a a different approach that's happened over time maybe where it's more um a softening into truth or the allowing uh, veil of truth to be revealed rather than this aggressive approach to like seek truth and and in in that in that aggressiveness um uh maybe missing a whole lot along the way you know Mm -hmm. what i mean yeah so i'm just wondering like does that shift for people has that shifted um maybe you know the idea of like um our approach to truth what does that look
4: Um, that's actually something that I incorporated into my practice a few years ago. This satya and practicing in a disciplined way, um, because I looked at it um, as kind of a habit that we need to cultivate. And until we sort of make the decision that everything that I say and do is going to be as rooted in truth as possible, we don't even realize the ways that we're um, misleading other people or misleading ourselves. And usually <clears throat> what I found, what happened was as soon as I decided to do that, something awkward came up, you know, or I had to say the truth in a situation where I would have preferred to have glossed over it. Kind of like um, the idea, like as soon as you decide to go on a diet, someone to bring in a free cake, like that kind of thing. Um, but what I found over time is the more that I stay rooted in that practice, then the more truth that is around me. And it does become more of a habit, not perfect in any way, but in moments when I'm not sure about a decision, usually like some kind of true decision will arise, you know, um, I've made sort of more intuitive decisions, I think, because of this practice of um, putting my effort into being as truthful as possible. But yeah, I find it's a practice. I think it requires a certain amount of effort to get to the place where it then will be revealed. Jack. I think uh, attachment keeps coming up. So, uh, attachment to an outcome. So, following truth with an attachment to something happening. So that would, for me, see the aggressive side of I need some sort of thing to happen versus the non-attachment of I'm cultivating truth and by being that inspiring others because the most inspired I've ever been is when someone's just being rather than telling me you got to be this way that's
0: think from what I know in yoga philosophy is yoga sutra 2.1 is I think relevant here and it's Kriyas Yoga or no Tapa Sodaya Ishvara Pranidanan Kriyas Yoga and it's if you've ever um what is the, uh, I always forget it, but it always comes up because it's a good prayer. They use it. Um, it's used often in, in like Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a prayer, it's, um, you'll all recognize it when I try and fumble upon it, but it's, um, give me sort of the courage to know. Mm-hmm. Does anyone help me with this yeah, one? God grabs me to accept the
1: things I cannot to change the things I can and listen to
0: know the difference. Yeah, yeah. So that is kind of very specifically like Yoga Sutra 2.1. So it's um, the tapas Vidaya Shvara Pranidanani Kriyas Yoga is kriya Yoga, the benefits, the cleansing effects of yoga come by way of steady practice as well as the things that don't really make sense in your practice, not to just keep running your head into it, but instead turn that over to uh, Ishvara and turn it over to God, essentially, right? So there's going to be, and I think that is explicating this like there will be certain relative truths that you will be able to understand. And you can go to your yoga mat or you can do whatever your practice is and you can start to work those through and you might be able to understand from your perspective how certain truths exist. But then there's going to be a certain leap of faith, that certain point where it's just like there's that one thing that I don't understand. I don't understand um, how God works. I don't understand um, if God created everything who created God. I don't understand... um, where we go after we die. Like all of these questions you have when you're like a five-year-old kid and you start thinking about this stuff at first that you sort of um, pack down in a way and you kind of stop thinking about because it's just the absolute truths are really hard to come across. Um, I think that you need to be really compassionate and forgiving to yourself when you're unable to come up to an- with answers for those types of things. Was that a tangent or so I think that understanding that these absolute truths are things that are just they require a certain amount of faith and I don't know how you can make yourself or make others willing to take that leap of faith So this idea of everything's, who, without feeling like I'm othering somebody or putting different categories into the room, who has a really hard time with the idea that everything is perfect? Because
4: I don't, I, I don't know what you mean by that. Right, yeah. right.
0: So within yogic philosophy, you would <clears throat> potentially be able to see the most atrocious and heinous situations. Um people hurting other people, people suffering, um, people with misfortune. And to understand that from a yogic philosophy standpoint of their suffering and everything that is coming their way is part of their karma and it is eventually going to be um, transcending past that work that will actually free them. So that is to be able to say that somebody's suffering is actually in the perfect situation. Like, so, so it's the idea that like everything's happening for a reason. Yes. As a purpose. Yes. There's, there's going to be like, a balance from outcomes. Everything in life is an exercise to get us from this point to a point of enlightenment. Right. And that in yogic philosophy they have the idea that you are constantly taking rebirths. And that if you are not currently understanding that suffering that somebody is going through at this moment, your next reincarnation or maybe a thousand reincarnations down the line, you're going to go through that suffering. And we all have to go through every type of suffering to understand it so that we can have supreme empathy. And then from that, let go of like things needing to be a certain way. But still, you're asked to take a lot of different leaps of faith in that. Like, You're asked to believe that you're going to reincarnate. You're going to ask to believe that those people at a certain point have asked to go through that suffering. Where in this lifetime, they're not going to be like, I volunteered for this. Right? Because how often do we have something that happens to us that is challenging and we go like, I asked for it. 10,000 lifetimes ago, I asked to go through this type of pain in 2018 so that I could eventually be alleviated from any sort of struggle. These absolute truths are very challenging. And in our relative perspective, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that I get to go home to an apartment where I have a gas um, fireplace that I can turn on to be warm whenever I want. And then there's millions if not billion people in the world that don't have that luxury. That doesn't make sense relatively.
3: Um, So I'm from Mexico City and I went to India in 2012 and uh, if you haven't been, like the misery that I saw, like the the stage of really misery that people suffer in India, made me realize, I don't want to say, like 50 million people in Mexico lives under one dollar in Compar day uh, I did like uh, work, social work in the mountains in Mexico, but I never saw the misery. I mean, I don't want to compare the misery that people experience, but in India, it was like, oh my God, that this is not like, uh, and what it made me notice is like maybe this philosophy, like yoga philosophy came to justify that, mm-hmm. like justify the caste system mm-hmm. and justify mm-hmm. That uh, exploitation and the capitalists, capitalism and justify it right, like like well is there bad to be uh, slaves? Is there bad to be uh, misery like this? And in the next life there will be free. Right. Uh, but in the other sense, I've been really lucky enough to have my family and um, my education and everything that I uh, received. Uh, so I don't feel guilty because of what I've been experiencing in my life because it, I've been working hard for. It. But at the same time, I feel like, uh, which is my dharma, like if I do believe that everything is happening in no a reason, and the misery and the suffering that other people is living now is is their own path. I can kind of sit in my comfort zone, and I, yeah. But in the other sense, like I just suffered a burnout two years ago, literally like a burnout and I just couldn't handle the stress anymore. And now I'm doing like a lot of research on burnout because I want to, I overcome my burnout with yoga and meditation and needing to nourish my body and taking really a lot of time for me. Uh, But I was thinking like two, two days, I was like, I want to help people to prevent burnout, but maybe because I read something uh, like a guru say, maybe that suffering of coming into a burnout is necessary in order to be here. Like a friend told me, if you didn't have the burnout, Mariana, you will just quit your job and study yoga and really deep in your practice. I was like, hmm, I don't think so because I was really like living a really comfortable life. So, I makes a lot you. of ideas, but the point is <laughs> where is the Dharma that for us, in that sense, at least for me, where I not sit in my comfort zone and I say, well, whatever is, is their own path. So when I walk in Hastings, I never, I'm promised, never even in Mexico City, I saw so much uh, people in the streets suffering, um, dying in the streets like we see in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still is like, well, if I see it from my tourist point of view, it's like, it's not my problem, it's the Vancouverian's problem, I'm just here for learn yoga, no? Uh, yeah. So where is the balance of not sit in the comfort zone and actually actively uh, help to overcome suffering, mm-hmm. prevent suffering? Yeah.
0: I thought that you made two really salient points. The first one was, is this a philosophy that potentially could be used to hold people down? Like if you are an affluent king in India um, 2,000 years ago, and you want to tell people, like, hey, listen, you're all suffering and you're going through this right now, but eventually you're going to get to live as the king too. And all, you know, roles will reverse at a certain point because, hey, we're all going to, I don't know if you call it heaven or what, but you're going to this place of samadhi and we're all going to get there together and it's going to be great. So just hang on for this lifetime. So potentially, I could see how people could use that as a philosophy to oppress other people and just get them to buy into that belief. Um, The other thing that I really liked about what you were saying is that you said, well, in your own experiences, your struggle has actually allowed you to grow. Going through a burnout has actually been what inspired you to sort of rise to heights that you potentially wouldn't have gone to without, without the struggle. So I think there's a lot there to digest and a lot to think about.
2: Um, I think what you said there about yeah using just that as coercion for other people is something that's been used for centuries, millennia, you know, that we're not worthy of this life. That And it's something that I, I've certainly struggled with over time is that in where I am, you know, I'm not worthy of my privilege. And in my experience, I find that doesn't help me get anywhere It's when I just feel really unworthy about who I am and where I come from. And just the opposite of being, you know, really grateful of what I have and, and using that station in life to help other people or help other forms of life, I think is, is one of our objectives, maybe as people in this space here who have so much privilege that not to be so unworthy, like, oh, I should, you know, be living on the streets or something, but mm-hmm. to accept and be grateful for what we have and then use that to, to yeah, transform. Yeah.
0: Perhaps reinvest in your privilege mm-hmm. to help raise all boats to the same
2: level. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, just in regards to the suffering, you know, it's a topic of truth. But I, um, I don't know that we can necessarily save another from suffering. However, we can be. Uh, you know, a source of helping, uh, uh, just relieve it for temporarily, right? And and maybe in that, you know, people can can find some strength. And I am actually homeless. Um, I'm I'm living in temporary shelter. I have lost everything, including my beloved of twenty five years. And I'm sitting in this like uh, um, whirlpool. Of what is truth, right? Like, what is it? What, like, that was my truth. What is it now? You know, and and I just want to just say, like, um, you know, yoga as a practitioner for twenty years. You know, if if you know we practice, uh, if we if we are faithful to our yoga practice, it'll be faithful to us. And I mean, I I'm you know I'm experiencing that right now, right? You know. So I think there's truth in yoga, period. And truth in uh, the anchorage that it can provide, right? When, uh, you know, the storms, necessary storms, I totally believe in that as well, you know? The shakedown, the ultimate shakedown, necessary. Necessary, I believe. So, you know, truth, you know, all I know is, you know when i asked that question prior you know it's like do we go out like i was such a truth seeker i've been everywhere like seeking that right and now there's just this more of a settling of like allowing the truth to just be as it is with me trying not trying to change it and i touch big one not trying to analyze it Mm -hmm. overthink it you know put a label on it make it you know form to my liking so i feel comfortable. Right? can we accept the truth
0: and is you know, the other thing that I would add is there's a conception in things like therapy where it's if we talk about something enough and we get to the, we'll boil it down to the truth mm. and from that when we speak the truth there will be healing or health will come from that truth But is there even a truth? There's perspectives. And we do. We spend so much time analyzing this happened that way. And so this must have occurred because of this and and that. But can we even fathom the infinite amount of perspectives that actually go in to make a truth?
4: One of the lines is, the more that we talk, the more there is to say. I just felt like that was relevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The more we <clears throat> speak about perspectives, and uh, you, know, you just kind of get in. It's like when you start to um, break it down to like the smallest thing, and then they look inside the body, and eventually you get to the atom, you think like you found the last thing, and you keep <laughs> going inside. It's like, the more you look at something, they just a bit more expanse.
1: We'll see, you know that quote, seek seeking you shall find? My thing is seeking you shall find more seeking. Right? <laughs> like exactly, right? How far do we go?
3: Yes. So I I grew up as super Catholic and in a Catholic school, so uh, and I really took distance when I started my college of like all religions because I thought that growing as Catholic was really harmful for me because of the uh, guilt that is coming from Catholic. And actually yesterday I, I was reading the Bible just because somebody was reading and I just like, like to look for a quote. I'm like, oh my God. It's in the, La- the Old Testament. The, the, the sin is comes from Moses. The really real roots of Judaism sin so Catholic your roots are seen. So I kind of took a distance of asking myself or people to be faithful to something. I just thought that uh, it's gonna it's kind of be so harmful to be just like blind faithful. So I coming back to your question about faith. Uh, so when I'm teaching yoga and when I'm sharing and for myself, it's more like. Um, like, I do feel that we are one. That's something that I feel is not something I live in, in the sense just of just my, my brain. I feel like the connections towards each other, so this comes more from my body and my energy body than from my really thought. But I do love to uh, talk about it. <laughs> 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 but it's more like I, I really, that's maybe my absolute truth, my relative truth yeah it's relative for me but it may be absolute for everybody that I feel the oneness so and that is for me enough to believe that if I follow the yoga sutras and if I follow in in active practice I will uh, as you say like yoga comes to me yeah. I come to yoga yeah
0: they say that uh Whatever your practice is, if it's physical yoga asana, or if it's something different, if it's a karma yoga or a raja yoga, so a yoga that is an action, a yoga that is sort of of the mind, a yoga that is of devotion, there's all these different types of yoga that you might practice, right? But they say that when you're practicing a certain yoga, that you stay with that. You stay with whatever it is, through the rocky times, as opposed to just sort of jumping ship, you know, while I was doing the physical yoga, yoga asana, and then I decided that I wanted to make my practice more about devotion or whatever it is. There's warnings about jumping ship while you're in the middle of the sea, right? Eventually, all of these pathways go to the same place. all end up at samadhi at a certain point, they all end up at a point of contentment um, and, but they warn you of before you're across the water jumping, jumping ship so sticking with your practice through the challenge mm-hmm. um, and then just also leaving compassion leaving space um, for the things that maybe are not quite making sense right now And allowing for your practice to be one that is continually um, steady and dedicated to whatever whatever it is. Okay, we're almost at our time to wrap up, but we actually compress it a little bit.
1: Um, I have a question to ask anyone here. Um, (laughs) Um, what will happen once you find the truth? I don't think we'll ever find
4: the truth, personally. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the truth has language.
1: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Language is a human thing. I, don't
1: think I just don't see it as a destination, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's more fluid than mm-hmm. it's ever evolving, because our reality is evolving. When we were talking about absolute truth, for me, it's really hard to grasp it, because it's very I think it's very anthropocentric, because there might be an absolute truth for a body, or a human, or all humans. But then what about what is non-human? So I think it's also important to, to specify for humans.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. why I don't know. Well, it, wouldn't be, it would be relative, then.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs>
0: So basically, if there is confusion, that means that this little lecture was delivered correctly. Mm-hmm. If anyone came in absolutely knowing what was true. Because okay. And then also just sort of the, the warning in the Yoga Sutras and the warning in many philosophies of When somebody is absolutely sure of what the truth is, watch out. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm. Because hopefully we're all on the same page of isn't it just so amazing? Okay, so we'll wrap up this conversation. The next one is in... April, it's April 1st, I think, April Fool's Day, but it's not an April Fool's Day. (laughs) Please don't think it is. Um, And then uh, thank you very much to One Yoga. Thank you very much, uh, Milano Coffee, for bringing the coffee. Very generous of them, very delicious. And uh, thank you all for being here and being part of this. So let me know if you have any questions about if you want to listen to this podcast and you don't know how to access it. Um, It's on SoundCloud, it's on iTunes. Uh, So you can pick it up uh, just with an internet connection and a device. Okay, thank you all very much. Thank you. you. Okay, skibbity bop. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're listening. I don't really know. I get very little feedback about these podcasts, to be honest. I think I just sort of talk about them, do them, and then put them out there. I'm always curious if anyone actually listens, um, certainly to the end of the podcast, like who's cut out by now. If you enjoy these conversations like I do, I find these philosophies just to be incredibly helpful from time to time when I find myself at a crossroads, um, just a different perspective, or even sometimes. Yogic philosophy just gives words for me to help to understand exactly what it is that I'm looking at or trying to get through. Um, so it basically what I'm saying is if you find these philosophies useful, great. Please do me a favor, share these podcasts, send me your feedback, I'd love to hear it. Till next time, don't text and drive, get ganked, get unganked, skibbity bop from podcast